Sound good? Yeah. All right. So there we go. And hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Family Reflections. My name is Keddy, and she is... Kina. All right. <laughs> um, we're in here again with a slightly uh, a sad topic, so to speak, uh, where we're, we're kind of heading into a part two of the discussion surrounding uh, male suicide in the Caribbean. Um, on the last episode, we were privileged to have Robert Rennie with us. Unfortunately, in this episode, we're not going to have him joining us, uh, but we're still going to have his opinion uh, reinforced and emphasized um, just at the very beginning of this episode. And uh, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to play you guys uh, a his story that was shared with us on the last episode um, just so we can set the tone for the rest of our conversation. And he realized where my father lived was dark. It was like after six, well, it was about seven. But, my, but by six o'clock, he usually puts his light on. Mm -hmm. So my brother said, hey, let me go and check on him. And uh, when he, in fact, the door, I believe, was opened, um, and he put on his little light from his phone. And as soon as he put on the light from his phone, it literally shone on his face hanging in the threshold of the, of the house. And so he screamed. And then um, I remember his wife saying that is when she, when she heard the way that my brother screamed, right? That was what she just began to cry. She just began to say no and start crying because she had never heard my brother express that type of, 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 of no and that type of uh, emotion because she, she heard it in his voice that definitely something is wrong. And um, so they, I got a call. Um, well, they didn't, they didn't want to tell me exactly what happened. Um, I just got a call um, saying that or rather they called my, my wife at the time and said to her, um, you know, just uh, tell Robert that he needs to come up to the, to the house, you know, something like that. They, they didn't want to tell me exactly what happened. And so when I got there, you know, um, my brother was just quiet, you know, and I just came to the house and then I saw him hanging there as well. And of course I was a bit, I was a bit stunned to be honest. Um, and I just stayed there, you know, just, just in, in total shock. Um, and then I, 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 I went to, to the other side of the house and I just started crying, you know. Because like I said, there were a lot of things that I was really hoping um, to experience with my father, you know, before he died. And I realized that at that point, all that was definitely taken away from me. Um, and I was like, I had a conversation with him, him like I think the, a few days before at a funeral. And um, I did not see the triggers. I didn't see the signs, right? He tried his, his hardest to, to, to hide the signs from us. But, but then other, some of his other friends saw the signs. But again, we are, a lot of us men are not emotionally or we're not equipped to 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 seeing the signs so we just we just bypass it because he went to his friend's house and he said to his friend the day before hey 
you, you're not going to see me anymore. You're not going to see me for a while, right? So uh, all the, you, had, you have some tools home, just come and, come and take your tools, man, you know? So his friend never realized what he was saying. His friend didn't, you know, say that, hey, boy, you really and true, you're just not going to see me, period. And, um, and so he, he never, he only, of course, after, after the news went out that he had committed suicide, people started to realize that, hey, that's what was really going on. He was basically saying goodbye in his own way, you know? Um, and, and yeah, it, it, since then, I have become very, I have tried to be very um, aware try to pay attention to my friends and when they are going through for difficult times, COVID is also providing us an opportunity to be vigilant because we know St. Lucia so far has had over about seven suicides already. Um, and we know that a lot of people are experiencing a lot of um, um, difficult times. And so in, in the, 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 the country now is, is almost, you know, we, we must be at a heightened alert you know, a state of, of heightened alert um, and, and, and be observant, be vigilant of, of the way our friends behave around us. Are they going in, in isolation? You know, what's, what's really happening to them and that sort of thing. So, so it, it, has, it has made me very sensitive to, to people who commit suicides or people complete suicides or, or families who experience um, 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 or families dealing with, with, with suicide. Um, yeah. I was kind of surprised when the story was shared with me. Kina, what was your reaction uh, hearing that? A very sad story. And um, I'm glad that Robert was able to cope with the situation. Uh, coming out of that, any family, you know, we can expect for not everybody to be able to manage it effectively. Um, and that is not that is not to say that hey you're not you're not doing something good or whatever. It is a sad reality that most of us cannot cope with death, and especially that type of death. So yeah. All right. Um, honestly, on my end, I don't know how I would process that. I don't know what the effect would be on my psyche and how I would even begin to process that level of trauma. Uh, but that's why we're here and that's why we're having this conversation. It's something that needs to be addressed and it's something that needs to be curtailed in the Caribbean region. Um, in our note, because folks, we do have notes. <laughs> in our note, I see that uh, in 2017, we had 13 suicides. This is, these are stats for St. Lucia. Uh, I can only imagine that in the rest of the Caribbean, the stats are similar as well. Um, Especially Guyana. Right. It's, it's bad. Right. What, what's, what did you find in Guyana? I didn't get the stats, but according to the World Health Organization, Guyana and um, Suriname were among the countries with the highest rates of suicide. Did, when you were reading that, did they tell you why that is? Um, I think for Guyana, part of it had to do with um, more relationship issues. Okay. Uh, you find that there were a lot of men. The, the, the ratio from men to women was very high. Um, 
so yeah that and they also mentioned that i think uh agricultural weedicide was the most common method for suicide in Guyana. yeah so that goes back to what i was saying about gromag zone in the last episode yes. right? yeah yeah i can't remember because i know we we touched on this um but what was your response when i asked why do you think more men take their lives because of relationship issues than women. What did you respond to that? Well, it, it had to do with um, the whole men and their emotions, not being able to, having to repress their emotions. Right. So they don't get to deal with the whole um, coping. So we don't have that mechanism that kicks in and says, hey, we need to be able to cope with this situation. Whenever there's heartbreak or some situation in the relationship, the men are forced to repress their emotions because of how they were brought up. Right. I remember Whereas women, we just, and also it has to do with religion. In my opinion, um, women, you know, we're, we have a lot of women that are Christians, so they get that to lean on. Whereas the men are, you know, we, we, we know where it stands with that. Why do we think that is though, that more men tend to not be as spiritual, uh, as women, like why why are the churches filled with more women than men the women can drag the men to church (laughs) (laughs) growing up yeah growing up and even now it's still more women going to church um i just think that it's just how it how it has always been you know the women were always accustomed of dressing up in this Sunday best bringing the children to church with them, whereas the men would still and like probably. Um, but the yeah, the last thing I remember you saying was that uh, the men always seem to stay home while the women went to church, right? Yes, I guess men were always in the gardens and that sort of thing. I really I'm not sure why from back in the day that it was always the women going to church. I just know that women would get dressed up in their Sunday best bring the children along right you know what so as a man right i i will speak to what i think part of it is i think in a man's life you become accustomed to the concept of having to handle your business yourself and that begins to translate even towards spiritual things where you feel like you know what? I don't really need a big man in the sky to tell me what to do. I I think I got this. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll try to figure this out on my own, All right? And I think that's where a lot of it comes from. Uh, and also, this might be a little abstract, but I just thought about this, so I'm going to tell you guys. Uh, <laughs> God being a masculine entity. Like, you know, everybody refers to God as he, and he is God, right? And so Mm -hmm. I think there's more attraction to a woman, to a male caring entity, than there is for a man to be attracted to another big man that's watching out for him, you know? Yeah, it's just something I thought about just now. It might be, might not be make any sense but <laughs> at least i told you <laughs> uh but yeah uh that just went through my mind but guys i know it seems like we lost um our train of thought but w- we haven't um going back to the stats here 
2017, in St. Lucia, it said that we had uh, 13 suicides. In 2018 uh, and 2019, I believe I'm reading that there were nearly a dozen. And in 2020, we have already had seven suspected suicides, a number which I think may have already changed, unfortunately. Um, so basically the question uh, is, what can the family do? What can society do to address uh, this, this uh, situation? Well, I'm just wondering, there is so, there's a limited amount of things that we could do. And when you, when you have a family member, relative, a close friend, a loved one, who expresses the desire to kill themselves. That is not something to be taken lightly. I mean, a lot of them tend to be saying it just in your, you know, just in passing. Like, you know, my literary called me, I want to kill myself. We have to take this serious. Yeah. And one of the things that we can do is to not let that person feel more alone than they would. Because anytime somebody wants to or contemplate suicide, they go in loneliness. They tend to retreat and isolate themselves because that's part of the depression. Right. Um, the worst thing that could happen is for them to be alone, to be left alone. Because then you're alone with your thoughts. Yeah. And I'm just and thinking, oh, sorry. It go gets ahead. worse. You have this thing in your head just going and going and going. And, and you, you're like, okay, then you get even more of a feel to do it. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking of a man's experience and I, I can imagine, and I'm pretty sure I've actually seen this happen where somebody might say, oh, I got someone see me just trick on myself. And then everybody just says, that's a page on Lulaga. You know, it's like, just shut up. Like, what are you talking yes. about? Go sit down. Right? And yes. that, I mean, that's, that's a very cultural response, right? Because uh, that's just what you would say. I don't think uh, most people are educated in dealing with uh, someone who says that. So it's almost like a knee-jerk response to just try to laugh it off and try to not take it as seriously. Right? Um, so it's, it's okay for you to not know how to respond. You just have to be mindful that you are empathetic to the situation and that you're able to make the necessary referral. Um, you can go with the person, you know, just be there for the person, but don't be negative. The worst thing right. you can do is to be negative in the situation. Right. So basically if somebody's watching this, I guess what we want that person to take away from this is if somebody does tell you or confide in you telling you that they want to end it all and they want to end their lives, uh, what would you, what you would then do is refer that person to a professional or a professional institution that is set up and there are resources available for persons who are suffering with this. Right. Uh, I, in my experience, I find that Lucians don't like to seek mental health uh, assistance or counseling because they're afraid that people will be in their business. There's a stigma attached to it as well. Yeah. Right. There's this, this stigma that you're, you're, you only seek, um, therapy because you're mad or you're crazy right right and and that is the the negative aspect to it 
or like you said, um, you just you just don't. <laughs> but even for even it's not therapy, group therapy, counseling sessions is not there just for those persons who are contemplating suicide. It is also there for the family having to deal with somebody contemplating suicide. Because we tend to often look at the person, only the person contemplating the suicide, but not looking at the repercussions or the impact it has on other members of the family. They also need, need therapy. Yeah. And I, I want to flip the, the narrative on its head a little bit and say that you are, they should be pointing at people who don't seek out therapy and counseling as mad instead of saying that people who do are the ones that are, um, that are mad, you know? Yeah, because it does take a healthy mind to know right. when to seek help. It right. does. And I would argue that we always need help. Like, <laughs> you, you even, even I, I, I need help and I reach out to you recently. You know, you right. just need somebody to talk to at times. Right. So everybody needs that person to, to lean on at times. Right, absolutely. Like... Just like you go for your annual checkups, which a lot of us don't. Uh, Many <laughs> <just>, particular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're supposed to go for your annual uh, uh, physical checkups and a lot of people don't. Uh, in the same way, you should go for your mental checkup. You should go in and uh, see see what, what you need to work on, see what you need to get a little better at, uh, see maybe you have anger issues. Maybe it's time to talk about why you're getting so angry all the time. Um, yeah, so definitely I want to advocate for people to go talk to somebody. Yeah. Especially our men. Don't, don't rely on substance abuse. Don't rely on the alcohol as your, your therapy because that's how I see it. The men tend to right. just drink the sorrows basically right. no it's it's okay to see a psychiatrist it's okay to reach out um, to your wellness centers mental health professionals um and just get the help right. yeah and uh as i mentioned and i'm going to emphasize this again i think a lot of the reason uh a big reason why men sometimes take their own lives is because uh they're spouse or their girlfriend or wife is their psychiatrist she she is she their did. counselor uh, yeah she is the therapist and then when you catch that person cheating on you or you you get broken up with now you just lost your counselor you lost your therapist and there's nobody else that you can confide in you can go to your guy friends uh, and um yeah they end up unfortunately just killing themselves so um, I have a very, I have a very, it, it's going to sound like a callous question. It's going to sound like a question that is insensitive, um, but it's not. I'm not asking it in that tone at all. Um, but I think it's the source of a lot of the stigma surrounding suicide, and I think we should touch on it. Do you think suicide is selfish? No, suicide cannot be selfish. Um, and yes, you're right. I know a lot of people are thinking, oh, this person is being selfish. Again, we do not know what this person is going through. And they say that we just have to be there for that person, be that support system, and even more so of a support system during that time. Um, wanting to take your own life, it is not a light decision. All right. 
it is not something that you just wake up tomorrow and be like, that's a my trichoma. Let me go and kill myself and just put a rope and that's it. These people go through contemplation. They go through, it's like, it's like a whole process because some people will actually, you know, drop those, make those comments, make statements where it's almost like a cry for help. But we do not know the sign. We do not know what's going on. So we tend to ignore it. We tend to hate the mind. Um, and then they will probably have this phase of just being extremely happy. They're going to be all, you know, perky and all of that. Yeah. Because they, they, they already made up their mind how they're going to do it, when they're going to do it, and then that's it. And I even remember in Robert's story where he said, you know, his dad um, actually told the friend to just come home, come and take your tools. You will not see me for a while. Right. So, so he had already thought about it. He already knew what he was going to do, how he was going to do it. And then they just do it. So in my mind, suicide cannot be a selfish action. It is, it is a cry for help. And when somebody actually goes through with the process, you, you cannot, you just cannot think of it as having been, you know, this was more selfish and they kill themselves. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I'm in the same boat. And the reason, the primary reason that I'm in the same boat is because I was watching a documentary not too long ago. Um, it was just something on YouTube that I saw. Um, you know, you're scrolling on YouTube and you see something and click on it. Um, (laughs) and, um, yeah, this guy was basically giving his experience because he jumped from, I'm not sure if if it was the Brooklyn bridge or San Francisco bridge, but it was this really monumental, very high bridge that uh, is famous for people jumping to their deaths. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and for those of you who are thinking, oh, if they jump from a bridge, wouldn't the water stop the fall? But actually, and this is just a little science because I'm a nerd, um, (laughs) jumping and hitting water can be just as serious as hitting concrete because water, uh, you know, it behaves very much like a solid when you're hitting it at a certain speed. And so people jumping from that height and hitting the water is basically like them jumping from a skyscraper, right? Um, But anyway, so this guy was saying that when he jumped from the bridge, at the very moment that he jumped, he felt the regret and he felt the sudden panic when he realized that, hey, I just took my own life. I actually just killed myself, right? Mm -hmm. And so the fact that he could have that experience in that moment um, and have that regret in that moment shows you that this guy was a victim of suicide. Mm-hmm. And he, thankfully, the guy recounting the story, uh, although he jumped, he, instead of dying, he broke a lot of his bones and he, he was able to be rescued and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of people are not rescued and then a lot of people actually die. And so it kind of opens your mind to the possibility that there are some people in that last moment, in those last seconds before they pass away, there's a panic. Like, oh no, this, this, I shouldn't have done this, you know? And it, it that is a very dark and very, uh, it's a very dark and regrettable situation if that is the case. But it, it really does open your mind to the possibility that 
people that die from suicide are victims of a very dark uh dark place in their lives yeah it's almost like you have this also ego person kind of controlling your body and, and making you do something that you just don't have the, the strength to overcome and to deal with right. and it just consumes you so yeah i could see how they could be a victim of suicide it's sad yeah and unfortunately and this goes back to my own question about suicide being selfish um i think there are m- many people around the world as we speak who fight every single day they wake up and fight every single day because they are staying alive they are living for their loved ones yes you're fighting an internal battle and it's right. a, a good thing when you can wake up every day and continue fighting and continue right. waking up and not not going through with it All right and unfortunately some of those people after fighting for years and years of fighting for their loved ones eventually get tired and they they succumb to uh an illness uh, i know robert said it wasn't an illness but i i don't know the the best way to describe it but they succumb to an idea and a concept um that has been troubling them for a long long time and it's very difficult you know what i mean yeah. so here again this is why we're telling people if you're fighting that internal battle you're feeling like this thing is consuming you whatever you're going through reach out call the two or three hotline and just seek that necessary help all right i didn't even know about the two or three hotline what where exactly does that lead is is there like a Oh, it's of... a national hotline that was put in place by the uh, Ministry of Health. Okay. Uh, I can't remember what year. It's not too long, but it's been a couple of years. Um, and I think that came out of the need from seeing all those statistics from the Asia work movement in the law suicide. So they did implement this hotline. Um, you could call from whether it be whatever carrier that you're using just you will get somebody at the end of the line and you're also encouraging family members to also make the call or any person who is aware of somebody who's possibly contemplating suicide you could reach out on their behalf because yeah. somebody will call them whoever the right. person is once right. they have the necessary information okay and I, I really want to commend the authorities on putting that uh, hotline in place. Um, but for those of our Ayanola uh, listeners uh, who do not live in St. Lucia, I want to inform you that it is very likely that your country has a, a hotline very similar yeah. to the 203 hotline. And so all we're asking yeah. is you just take the extra step to just Google uh, what that hotline is for you. Um, of course there's also hotlines in the United States as well um that are a free service that you can reach out and talk to somebody uh and uh, get the help that you need me and Kina uh well Kina more than myself but I'm not a professional uh when it comes to this stuff uh I'm just a guy who is concerned and um so there's people that can tell you a lot more uh detailed 
uh, advice that could probably help your situation far more than we can. Okay, so check them out. Um, yeah, yeah Kina, the other thing. Their, um, they could go to their wellness centers as well, Kelly. Okay. I think I think all the wellness centers have competent people, whether they they are there or maybe we can just make a referral. Because okay. the mental um, wellness team, there's a team on island. So. Right. And if somebody just went to the hospital and spoke to a doctor and said uh, they have this issue, wouldn't a doctor refer them to the person that they yes, should be talking to? They, they have to. And um, there's some mandatory, there's some obligations that uh, medical personnel have. I mean, even social workers and everybody else in terms of reporting. So if somebody confides in you, they want to kill themselves, this is something that they would be mandated to report. Okay. So the doctor would be making the necessary referral and all of the reporting. Okay. So folks, I cannot stress enough. If you broke your leg today, you would go to the hospital, right? So in the very same way, if you feel like, you know what, I need to get out of here, I need to take my own life, uh, visit a professional. They are trained people that can help you out. Um, Kina, one thing that keeps popping up to me is this theme of loneliness, right? Uh, I think we live in a society now which is increasingly lonely, Uh as much as we, we're in contact on social media and we have, um, I know some of you guys watching us right now, you know, it's almost like you're in the room with us. Um, but I think technology has contributed to us becoming more lonely. And I think it's something that's only increasing. And I wonder what we can do to change that. What, what can we do as a society and as a culture in the Caribbean to just be less lonely. Even now in this pandemic, it has um, compounded the situation. Right. You, you, you're lonelier than before. Um, and loneliness, again, like in the beginning, I was saying about not letting that person feel alone, not letting them um, be lonely during that time. It, it contributes significantly to somebody going through a suicide. So can you imagine going through this pandemic and being alone even more so with all yeah. social distancing and the protocols that are there? Um, you know, you're in your home quarantining and all of that. Uh, we, we have a lot to do. Um, but again, with technology, as much as technology has created that void, technology can also increase um, that sort of connection True. so you know as much as we may not be able to visit the person due to you know everything that's going on make a phone call constantly check up on that person especially somebody you know who is i would say mentally weak right now who is going through something who is in a volatile state call make the call don't just text i'm not saying to text the person make a call i mean you could always text as a, um, another resort but the first thing you should do is make a call. We tend to like to text people too much and you cannot see. And not even just a call. We have um, WhatsApp video calling. Yes, we, <laughs> you're guilty of always texting. We have WhatsApp video calling. Uh-huh. Here we're using Zoom. There are other um, avenues. So you could actually see the person, see the person's face. You know, yes, the person may be smiling, but in seeing the person, um, you could also 
tell whether the person is being genuine with the smile or not um, if we're really good person and really know our friends and families. So make a call rather than text. Um, if you could video call, video call. Allow the person to feel like there is somebody who cares. Show concern, and I think that is very important, especially now, showing concern for our family, our loved ones, our friends. Not just calling them, um, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I want you to do that. Before the person <laughs> even answers to say how they're doing, yeah. we already reach on the next topic. Like It's like, yeah. how are you doing has become just another way of um, getting into what you really want. It's not, right. it's not, you're not asking how are you doing and waiting for this person to actually tell you how you're doing. And we need to get away from this trend of, um, you ask me how I'm doing, I'm like, oh, I'm okay. And I think you know I'm not like that, Kenny, because yeah, if yeah. you ask me how I'm doing, I'm like, in, in terms of the way I say okay or whatever, you would know something is up. Right. So it, it's like, ask the question, wait for the reply and listen to the tone of the person, listen to how the person responds to you. All of these things are signs for us to know, you know, this person is lonely, something is going on. This person yeah. is, is, is not their usual self. Now, you know, there's something that I just started doing a few years ago. Um, I haven't done it recently uh, because of COVID, you know, you don't see as many people as you used to see. Um, but basically I would ask my friends, especially my good friends, like if I haven't seen them for a long time, I would say, hey, instead of saying, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? I would say, hey, are you happy? Yeah. And a lot of people would be taken aback like, wait, <laughs> you know, uh, but I meant it and I would wait for the answer. You know, are you happy? Are you happy right now? And listeners, if you're watching this, like ask yourself that question. Ask your loved ones that question that question, you know, like, yo, are you happy? And if you're not, let's talk about it. What can we do to change things? What, we, what can we do to get a little bit better, you know? And it, it might not be something that you can change immediately. Uh, some people are married to the source of their unhappiness. <laughs> some people, uh, yeah, some people have unhappiness that, came from their body as in the form of another human being. Um, mm -hmm. But the fact is there are little steps that you can take. It might just be, okay, tomorrow you'll walk down the streets and you'll just uh, listen to some music. Um, or it could be, okay, you're going for a jog. Tomorrow you're going for a jog, you know, or something to clear your mind. Um, yes. Yeah, man. Just ask the people in your life. Yo, are I'll you just happy? take take ten minutes, meditate. Meditation works. Take ten minutes to just be do your own thing. It could be could be ten minutes to whether it be meditate, listen to music, or just sit there and do something silly. You right. know, anything <laughs> that works for you. Actually, yeah. anything. Dancing silly, singing yeah, silly. Just bust out, just bust out, start dancing <laughs> in the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It works. It helps. It helps. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, so, yeah, absolutely. Take those measures and ask those hard questions to the people in your life. Um, you know, the other thing I was thinking too, Kina, do you think loneliness comes hand in hand with economic development? A little bit. But, um, okay, if we were to look at things like probably um, unemployment, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's take that one. Um, 
there is there is stag the economy is stagnant and and you don't have a job, especially during this time with COVID. Unemployment can really trigger uh, that emotion where you're feeling hopeless, okay. especially for the men. And I say this because the men are expected to um, take care of their women, basically, right? Because we, we that's our that's our culture. We always want the men to take care of the women, especially financially, right? I'll and in stop this you right time. There. I'll stop you right there. <laughs> so let, let me tell you why I'll stop you right there, right? <laughs> it's not just that the men are expected to mm-hmm. take care of the woman. A man's value, who you are as a man, your oh. value in society, not just your value to society, but your value to your family comes from your ability, ability. to provide. Yes. So if today I see a, a, a pretty young lady um, on the streets of Viewfort, right? And I walk up and I, I introduce myself like, hey, what's up? How are you doing? You know, um, I just saw you from across the way. I want to get to know you a little bit. Um, while we're talking, you know, she might ask me, you know, okay, how, how, what do you do? Where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. But when she goes, when she goes to her friends and all the yeah. girlfriends sit around the bed with their pajamas, right? Is <laughs> not, um, oh, is he kind? Is he smart? Uh, is he cute? Is he handsome? Oh, no, it's not that. <laughs> nah, the first question is, Where are you oh, <laughs> what does he do? <laughs> you understand? So you see where I'm coming from. Your value as a human being, a male human being, comes from your ability to put food on the table. And so during these COVID times when a man does not have a job and a man does not have that source of income, your value is under attack. Mm -hmm. Indeed it is. You know? So So, yeah, You, you don't have a job, you cannot provide. Things are getting rough. The women want to even beat you sometimes, you know, or they, what do they say? They, they corner you, they horn you, right? Yeah, yeah. So all of that, the man might be going through during this yeah. time. So it gets, it, the situation gets compounded and, and men are not as resilient as we notice in terms of dealing with these issues in a relationship. So yeah, these things will happen. You'll yeah. find men committing suicide now. Yeah, for me, sort so of the direction... Oh, go ahead, sir. Yeah, so unemployment and certain factors that, that ties in with economic development does does um, affect suicide. All right. For me, when I think of loneliness increasing with economic development, I think I'm also thinking along the lines of a capitalistic society where as the economy grows, people become more concerned with working for me, keeping what's mine, uh, doing what I can to build my thing. And you start to lose some of that community spirit, you know, stuff like La Rose, like you were talking oh, about. Oh, I get you. Right? Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, you lose, like, you know, growing up, you'd see the old men uh, playing dominoes at the bar, right. stuff like that. You start to lose some of these things because these a lot of people are just at work. People are busy. People are fatigued. Mm-hmm. So I think a big question, and I, I know it might sound like I'm drifting a little bit, but I think a big question is how do you maintain the level of community? How do you maintain the level of togetherness 
while also growing and becoming busier as a, as a society and becoming more capitalistic and so on. Okay, yeah, I know that where you're going. As your economy grows, you have that sense of I and me alone, basically. And also it becomes sort of routine because now you have more people just working, working, working and coming home. And, you know, you take so many hours out of the day in terms of being at a job, then there's no other time to do other things like be with your community, volunteer, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I get where you're going with that. Yeah, so... I don't know. It's something I actually got inspired to write um, this one book that I wrote. Uh, and yes, guys, this is kind of a plug, but I, I just thought about it. <laughs> um, this, this one book that I wrote called George Road. Um, I basically wrote it because I missed some of that same community spirit that we just talked about. Um, and the United States and living in the United States uh, is devoid of that. You don't really have that sort of community spirit. There are places in the United States where, you know, there is some of that there's down South and stuff, but uh, especially on the East coast in the United States, you don't have that level of community vibe. Everybody is for themselves. You, you, you live right next to somebody for 15 years and don't know their name. So um, yeah. So keeping yourself, and while you're speaking, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking to myself that, indeed, keeping yourself busy, right, being engaged, it doesn't necessarily have to be within your community, but just being engaged in your family and everything else does help when it comes to suicide. Because yeah. your mind is active on other things. You're not alone thinking of, of being suicidal. Yeah. So keep active, keep busy, get engaged in your community. That also helps. Yeah. And yeah, so that, that brings us to the importance of having healthy, positive outlets, right? Yeah. Um, and as you alluded to, and I think I mentioned this on the last episode too, um, for the women, the outlet tends to be historically church, right? Worshiping, mm-hmm. going to church, which is a healthy outlet. Um, it can be unhealthy for some people when they take it in a different kind of way. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's also the men who whose outlet historically has been um, alcohol, right? I, I know alcohol. one person in particular who told me, uh, and this is a man who, you know, was married and then uh, a lot of bad things happened. Uh, so he ended up alone and he told me that, you know, he cannot go to sleep at night without alcohol. Right. And so you don't want to get dependent on these negative outlets to survive your trauma. And all of us do it. All of us have something that we use to try to clear our mind, something to take the edge off. Um, And you just want to make sure that 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 thing is not harming your body or harming your mind. You know what I mean? Right. So the alcohol or popping pills. Don't do that. Right. Find some other positive outlet. Yeah, and there's some people that self-harm. And although I see suicide as the the absolute form of self-harm, um, I don't think I've seen a lot of men or heard about a lot of men self-harming themselves, but women, I've heard about a lot of women who cut themselves. Right. Well, women, right. That, yeah. is, that is the usual for the women. 
the women Why is that? most likely do self-harm no periods and they didn't cut their wrist up and i know of some people who, who've done that and they did get the help thankfully but yeah they suffered with their wounds and all of that it's more the women but why why do you think that is though that i don't think that a man has the time to just sit there and take a razor blade and, and, and cut his wrist. The man would just kill himself and be done with it. Again, we women always go the extra. We are dramatic. We just go the extra <laughs> You know, you go in and shop with the woman. She does all through the, the shops and there's all the Z-lines and everything. The men just go straight to what they want. Right. So, yeah. Well, folks, you didn't hear that, that one from me. You heard that one from a woman. <laughs> <laughs> just joking. <laughs> but yeah man all these things like even that shouldn't be taken lightly if you know somebody who's self-harming somebody who's cutting themselves um that is a very good sign that the person needs help yeah so yeah and i guess with with the women again since that since they're doing the self-harming and you know inflicting the most then they they have the visible signs, right? The visible symptoms. So then we could actually get the help for them or they could seek help. But with the men, they don't have those visible signs. We just have to go according to the cues, according to what they're saying and these sorts of things. Yeah. Right? And it's it's a bit more difficult because again, men don't express themselves. So maybe maybe that's why we have more men actually going through the suicide than women. Yeah, you and you and Robert really got me on the last episode when I was saying the father shouldn't be crying. Oh, the father thing. <laughs> yes. So yeah, repressing the emotions, not being vulnerable. I'll be honest with you. I still cannot see it though. It's still difficult for me, you know. Like, if I had a family, like uh, my own children, and you know, I have to sit down with my children, and you know, something bad really happened to me. Mm-hmm. it would be difficult for me to cry in front of my children. And and I'm still not even convinced that that's really what I should be doing in that case. You're not convinced, but you have to show them that it's okay to be vulnerable. And I told you so already. We, were, we, we, we got through it, and y'all were very convincing. Huh? I, I'll give y'all... <laughs> yo, everything y'all said made complete sense. All mm-hmm. right? Everything else had made complete sense. But you're still stuck in your ways based on your It's probably, right? yeah, it's probably my cultural upbringing and stuff. Um, but mm-hmm. I still can see, boy, I have my, my children, my two sons watching me, and I they're bawling. Oh, boy, just bawling and snot falling out of my nose. Yeah. Well, well don't go that extreme. Don't be so dramatic. Just full of it. But you have to, you have to be emotionally vulnerable. Now, and you now, have to be comfortable enough to be emotionally vulnerable in front of anybody. Yeah. That's another thing. Now, here's the thing. Any man will tell you, uh, and guys, if you, y'all are watching this, y'all can back me up in the comments. But every man will tell you there's a manly way to cry and there's, <laughs> there's, there's a way that, that if you cry like that, okay, yeah, boy, women will think, yeah, you're a little softer. Like, any guy will tell you that, yeah, if you're with a, a young lady, you know, and you give a, you just let a little manly tear fall by your eye there, you know? Yeah, that's accepted, right? Yeah, it's, accept, it's accepted not, to let, yeah. Not the balling. Yeah, not the balling, but just a manly tear. 
you know, and then mm-hmm. you make sure before it even gets to the bottom there, make sure you wipe that you know, <laughs> and kind of look off into the distance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, it's like, it's like you're role playing to play. <laughs> but a lot of women will see that and, and they'll be like, oh my gosh, yeah, he's so, he's so vulnerable right now. Oh my gosh, I, I just want to hold him. He's so cute. But then if they see a man bawling, snot mm-hmm. coming from his nose. What? It's a turn off? It's a, it's a no. turn off, huh? And y- y'all can correct me in the comments. Tell me if I'm wrong. But I, uh, that's what I've been hearing my whole yes, life. I, 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 would, I, would love, I would love to hear the views. I would love to read the comments. Um, what do you think about a man falling out in front of his children, being emotionally vulnerable? I will not say falling out. I will say being emotionally vulnerable in front of his children, in front of his family. Um, do you think that he should repress those emotions and go quietly into the room where he can be vulnerable then? Tell me a little bit. Hold on. Tell me a little bit more about what that term means to you. Emotionally vulnerable. Okay. So you're that 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 is a perfect example. What we just used. You know, the man crying in front of his children, being able Uh to express his emotions, right? right. Um, Also, being being away. So for me. Being emotionally vulnerable has to do with awareness. Um, you, you're aware that this is what society expects, you know, repressing those emotions as a man. But you're confident and you're comfortable enough and you're aware enough to know that it is okay to express your emotions, to let down that guard. You don't always have to have those walls up as a man. That, for me, that's what being emotionally vulnerable is. Okay. I think Caribbean men and guys, I know I'm speaking for all of this, so I might be wrong. Huh? <laughs> but I think, <laughs> I, I think for Caribbean men, we have much less of a problem being emotionally vulnerable with our spouses, with our girlfriends or our wives than for us to be emotionally vulnerable with um, each other or even with our family and stuff like that. I think the only person in a Caribbean in a Caribbean man's life that he is comfortable with being emotionally vulnerable with is his spouse. And I see a difficult time coming to change that. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be easy um, to just have men start expressing themselves. You've, you're, you've been cultured, you've been socialized um, to repress emotion. So it's not going to happen overnight that we just expect all men to now start expressing themselves freely and wholeheartedly. It's not going to happen. But it also starts with us bringing up this um, generation or our young ones, our babies, um, our young boys, retraining them, not following suit in terms of those um, this stigma, this situation of just this concept of you know, keeping those emotions bottled up. Right. So our young boys, our mothers out there raising young boys, please, let us allow our young boys to be emotionally vulnerable. Let us allow them to be able to express their emotions freely and know that it is okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think, uh, Kina, unless you have anything else past that, I think um, this second part of this discussion was absolutely necessary. Um, 
and I'm, I'm really glad that we had it. Um, so guys, I think uh, the main takeaway, if you take away anything from this, anything, <laughs> make sure that you take away that uh, if somebody comes to you, if you are struggling with uh, suicidal ideations, um, to get the help that you need and to talk to somebody that is qualified, not somebody like me, uh, but somebody that is qualified to help with this sort of thing. And guys, you know, let's be better friends to each other. Let's uh, uh, be there for each other as much as we can um, and uh, push the needle of our culture uh, towards a more uh, supportive direction and um, fight against stigma surrounding mental health. Um, and remember the 203 hotline, if you live in St. Lucia, um, is a very easy way of getting assistance. Um, so Kina, you have any last thoughts for the folks? I have a question for you before we go. Oh, sure. Uh, you challenged our viewers last episode to uh -huh. tell their brothers, tell their male friends, I love you, right? How many, uh -huh. you asked them how many of them would do that. Did you do that? Did you tell any of your male friends, hey bro, I love you? What? That is what you're going to do to me, right? <laughs> yes, because it, it was on my mind. So um, viewers such as I know probably Erlen and everybody else who's watching, did you tell your male friends, your brothers, your, you know, anybody in your life, did you tell them, hey, I love you? And if not, I'm challenging you to do it, do it before this weekend, please express those emotions. Let people know you appreciate them and reach out. It's All okay right. to say I love you. All right. So I'll, I'll give you my word, right? I try to keep my word. <laughs> I'll give you my word that before the end of this week, I will tell one of my partners, yo, boss, you know already, I love you. All right. <laughs> I'm going to do that. And folks, guys in the comments, if you did, if you did yours already, Sorry if I didn't do mine yet. So if you did yours, just follow up with us in the comments. Let us know. Um, but I guarantee you this week, I'm going to do mine. All right. So fo folks, thanks for joining us on another episode of Thank Family Reflections. And uh, yeah, bye.